if folks don't like the idea of you're ignorant of a subject, I don't think ignorance is a bad word. There's things we just don't know in life, right? We need to admit those things. At any moment, you can claim you don't know something. It's actually a positive thing. Choose the mode of communication where you're gonna be at your brightest, where the bulb will be the brightest. What I would say to people is, look, if you can be more present that day because it's been a rough morning and it's just an issue, just show up on phone. Just go do that. Pick the mode that makes the most sense for you to be productive. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. Hello and welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And on the East Coast, our incredible co-host, Dr. Virginia Bianco. Mathis, Ginny, how are you today? I am doing well. Thank you. Very good. Well, in the podcast today, we have Sean Campbell, founder and CEO of Cascade Insights, a competitive intelligence and market research firm for B2B technology companies. Cascade Insights helps companies seize opportunities in the B2B technology sector. So we open up always with our guests. Hello, Sean. Hey, thanks for having me on. Great. Uh, Sean, with the move uh, to virtual and hybrid over the last three years, uh, what has surprised you the most about yourself uh, given this, this uh, kind of like global change? Well, for me, it's it's interesting because uh, I promise we get to more scintillating answers eventually. But for me, it's not that much of a change. I mean, I, I, I've worked virtually since 1999, like before it was cool, when you actually had to justify it. You know, my first company was completely virtual, 99 to 06 before I sold it. And back then you would go talk to people and they'd be like, oh, you don't have an office. And, you know, and you'd be like, I, I'm still real. And every once in a while, somebody would get a little pointed about it say like at Intel or someplace like that, that thought it was inconceivable that people didn't drive into the office back in 2001. And I would be like, and I would just quip. It wasn't said nastily, but I would be like, you could pay for the office. And it would take them half a second. They would go, nice. Oh, wait, you mean, yeah, that's right. The client would pay for the office ultimately. Oh, I love that. That's great. It took them half a second to get it. It's a little bit of a half a beat, you know, on that. Like, it reminds me of a short vignette from somebody when I started out as an entrepreneur. Um, my business partner at the time, he had a, a friend and the friend of that friend, uh, when speaking to him said, well, I mean, like health insurance for you guys as co-owners, I mean, the business pays for it, right? And my co-owner looked at her like, that's us. <laughs> right. <laughs> like a business. You, under, you understand there's that, you know, and which just takes me to the fact that I, I think, I think much like in the old days, you know, the thought was everybody should work on the farm for two years because it would teach you basic things. I think everybody should own a business for two years because I think eventually just everything, and it doesn't mean anything political by that. If somebody's interpreting that, I actually don't mean that there's plenty of died in the wool Democrats that own businesses, died in the wool Republicans, you know, the burgeoning third parties we have around here. There's plenty of those two that run businesses. But like, it just teaches you things that you can't really replicate, I don't think, any other way. So, but that's a whole different topic. Yeah, that is a whole different topic. Um, 
Sean for president. Okay, so what are um <laughs> are what are yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, you're busy. You're the CEO. So um I want to know um so today, well, you know, you've been you have been managing remote teams for it sounds like since 1999 when uh, none of our listeners were born. Um but what I do want to do is ask what are the skill sets that you're seeing successful leaders need to have these days in managing remote teams? Yeah, yeah, and I'll bridge the two topics by the way cuz we, you know, I took us a little off off path there. I mean, there is one thing that I would say is um massively different maybe between this wave of, you know, you know, RTH return to home, you know, not return to the office, right? You know, it's like um writing. You know, when virtual kind of was started for me, at least in 1999, you still had this other aspect of going to visit the client. Like maybe you worked from home, but you would visit the client. I mean, I bought plenty of plane tickets through that time period, right? But I might've worked from home once I got done visiting the client. And, you know, when you take that away and when the client themselves aren't cohabitating in the same space, writing just became super critical. And the best vignette of this was at the start of COVID a few months in, I was talking to a client and um, this client didn't mean this in a mean spirited way. They just meant it in a genuine observation kind of way. Uh, this person said, after COVID started and we were all forced to write each other what we thought, I realized how dumb some of my colleagues were. And what what he meant was, they didn't know how to communicate that way. I mean, we all know how it works, right? Say it's a sensitive subject, same say it's a challenging subject, say it's something you just want desperately in your career, but you're not sure how to go about it. You know, a hallway conversation might start like, hey, Sam, you know, that thing we talked about last month, you know, that initiative, um, kind of curious about you. I don't need to keep going. We only got a half an hour, but you get where that conversation goes, right? It takes like seven minutes to get to the actual point. You try to write an email that way. Everybody's like, did you go to grammar school even, you know, like, and so, and I'm not saying writing is easy. Writing is a challenging skill. It is absolutely. Okay. But it exposes it when you do this. And the second piece of that, I would say, and this, this blends obviously right into what skills managers need to have is, um, I don't know if you've ever heard the quote from Mark Twain. I would have written you a, um, shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. And, and so, you know, most people don't know how to do that. They they think once they're done writing, they're done. And it's like, no, even an email needs an edit and it needs time. And is this too long? And is it unclear? And, you know, all those things. And um, I, I think we might look back. I've yet to see this study, but I think we might look back. And if people are being honest with themselves, they might say the people who thrived during this were people who either invested in learning how to write or they were already a good writer. Um, and somebody might say, ah, the rise of the introverts. And I'm like, I don't know if that's really the argument I would make because, cause real, well, cause realistic, maybe cause I'm not an introvert, but like realistically, I think, uh, yeah, go figure. Right. I mean, but, but go, I, I think, um, introverted writing isn't necessarily strong writing if you get where I'm going. Right. I mean, you have to be pointed. So like, yeah, maybe there's a soft correlation there that, introverts express themselves better in a written media, but like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think they're tightly coupled, you know, in that regard. Uh, I've met plenty of introverts that don't know how to write. I met plenty of extroverts that actually know how to write. So I think there's that. Um, but on the manager side specifically, I think, I think that there's, there's a number of things. So I'm going to, 
hit a few and we can drill into these, you know, as much detail as you want, you know, or kind of wind back through them. Um, and they range a bit from the tactical to things that are probably a little more things that you have to think through how you're going to apply them. But like, I mean, the first thing is for the love of God, not all meetings need to be 30 minutes. You know, um, you know, when, when you have this like stacked roadblock of everything's 30 minutes and we have a bigger tyranny of it now because a related thing is policing the attendee list. And I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but like, just because it's virtual, just get up and kill the meeting after 11 minutes. I mean, I, that's kind of one of the things people say about me around here is that I'm a 30 minute meeting killer because I'll just, if it's eight minutes in, uh, and sure, we'll have our pleasantries and we'll talk a little bit, but if we achieved it in eight minutes with the client or with ourselves, let's get off. I think there's this kind of soft thing with virtual meetings where they keep running longer than they need to a bit. And um, I think that's big. The other thing is the attendee list. Um, I find as a, as a leader, I have to very carefully police a kind of a challenging duality. Virtual meetings allow anyone to attend. And to some extent, that's wonderful from a cultural standpoint. Hey, you want to show up in the sales meeting and you're a consultant around here and you're just curious what's happening in sales? It's an open meeting. I mean, sure, occasionally there might be a subject in a finance meeting or ops meeting or whatever that I'm just like, you know, we're not going to talk about. We're not going to like, you know, whatever. But, um, but the problem is the minute you open that, now everybody's in meetings. And then they come to you and say, I have a lot of meetings. And so as a manager, I think one of the things you got to watch is like, you know, is everybody attending meetings just because of the fear of missing out, right? They wouldn't do that in a normal environment, even just from physical constraints. Anybody that's worked in a corporate environment knows they should have put a building on campus that was just conference rooms, right? And put it right in the middle of the building, the campus, because there's never enough conference rooms, but conference rooms are physically scoped. So, you know, you've got a little four person room, you're not going to stuff 12 people in there. Um, but I go to virtual meetings and clients do it all the time. They're like, they, there's people who show up and I'm like, you're like totally checked out. Like, why are you here? I mean, unless you have the best multitasking skills in the universe, you're doing two jobs poorly right now, being here and whatever you're doing while you're here, you're doing both bad. So like, stop that. And I, I think that has to come from leadership because individual employees will feel sucked into the meeting either by a peer or by themselves um, or just the fear of not knowing what's happening. And, um, and I'll regularly do that. You know, Hey, so-and-so, I don't know if you need to attend the next couple of couple weeks. I'll let you know if something significant happens. Right. Um, and yeah, I guess you have to have the trust that that's going to play out. So that that's one thing, but the other thing I'll get to, and then we can pause for a minute. If you guys want to dig, dig into any of this is, um, because I think this is almost, it's a dual thing. It's a manager thing and it's employee thing. And it's probably the thing that I spend, um, the right word isn't policing, but um, inspiring people to feel okay to do is probably the better way to put it. Show your ignorance. Um, in an in-person setting, by contrast, it is very easy through nonverbal cues, I mean, looking down at your feet or doing the equivalent, or kind of shuffling a certain way verbally, if that makes sense to people, right? And the way you approach a subject, you kind of shuffle toward it. That people recognize this is not something you're comfortable with. You either don't know a lot about it, you're not sure about how to respond, you took take a look at a colleague and they fill in for you. Where does that exist in a virtual environment? Much less, here's the second problem of it from a productivity standpoint. You know, if you are unsure, 
if folks don't like the idea of you're ignorant of a subject, I don't think ignorance is a bad word. There's things we just don't know in life, right? We need to admit those things. But like, um, so if I'm ignorant of a certain domain or subject or problem in an office setting, I can kind of trot down the hall to someone who's safe to go talk to. Um, that may be a peer or whatever. There's this huge hill or wall you have to climb over virtually. So I think what happens a lot of times, again, I don't have a study to back this up, but I think part of the productivity loss we see when people go home to work is so it's 9 a.m. And all of a sudden you realize you don't know something that you need to know. You might try to figure it out for yourself a heck of a lot longer than you would if you were in the office. But if you build a culture as a leader that says at any moment you can claim you don't know something, nobody's going to keep a record of it. Nobody's going to remember it for your performance review. Nobody's going to keep like a tabular wall board about it. Like, hey, so-and-so showed their ignorance seven times this week, right? It's actually a positive thing. But I find, to close on this subject, I have to really force and almost pound that into people who join the team because they all come from cultures where they tell me, if, if I did that in my old job, it's almost like people are keeping track of it, right? It's like they're remembering how many times I didn't know something. And I'm like, no, not here. Like, just whenever you don't know something, tell me right now, because I don't want you to spend four hours between morning and lunch till you finally, let's be clear, frankly, get the courage up to say to somebody in writing, to go back to the other thing, right? I don't know anything. I think if we killed that, working from home would be at least 50% more productive right away. Yeah, you're, um, you, you're, first of all, you're a lot of fun to talk to, Sean. Um, the other <laughs> thing is, is, is um, no, I, I think, I think what we're, what we're um, hitting on in a lot of our podcasts these days is, is what, you know, what is that philosophy for when you're at home? Because we love work from home, right? Um, and what is that philosophy when you're at home? So something like, you know, hey, when we don't know something, we don't spin. We actually say, hey, everybody, I don't know anything here. Can you help me? Right. It's going to make your life better because we, you know, managers want to know that their people are happy um, and productive. You're not a productive from um, you better have your your head down eight hours a day, but that you're actually doing things which actually have you be effective in your work and happy. Hey, we're taking a quick break to remind you to support our podcast by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a review. Your feedback means the world to us and it helps us continue to bring you more engaging and thought-provoking content for leadership and remote work. When you were saying, you know, it's, it's the writers, you know, have a leg up. Um, the hilarious scenario of the conversation you said of someone having in the hallway and how long it then it takes them to get to the point and so forth. I think because of virtual and being on Zooms and, and so forth, um, the people who have learned to talk more like you, which is put it on the table, are also the more successful. They don't know, they also don't know how to talk. And they think they can do this talking around the bush and all that kind of stuff on Zoom and stuff. And now 10 minutes into the meeting, nothing has been discussed. So I be, it's it's reading, I mean, it's writing and talking also a new way of expressing things so you get to the point and it's okay and you're not going to get into trouble with it. Uh, I totally agree that uh, you have to role model and say, that's what we're about. 
Agreed. Agreed. People will be scared to do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. I didn't want to interrupt either one of you because I felt like I monologued for a while. So I felt I needed to sit down for a minute. But like, um, no, I agree. I think there's a directness wins. I mean, it kind of always won, but you're right, though, that I think in a virtual environment, it matters all the more. I mean, I mean, like, you know, on your average laptop screen, you take six zoom windows, you subdivide the pixels. What is that? That's like 320 by 240 pixels per view, right? I mean, you have this very narrow tunnel to see how someone is in, you know, relating to you. And I, I know someone's listening to that and going, aha, see, we need to be back in the office. I'm like, no, that's, that's not what I was saying. But, 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 but it requires you to be super clear through that funnel, right? Cause it's kind of narrow. The aperture is kind of narrow that you're communicating. And once you get used to that, it's fine. Um, and I would say too, like, I mean, small things matter, right? Like make it clear that like talking in the chat is fine. You're going to have some people who are going to feel a little more careful, you know, uh, not careful, uh, free to like communicate their initial thought in the chat, like break through the noise that way and then go police it and say, oh yeah, hey, Mary, you've got a good thought. Let's talk about this. Um, so no, I think those are all good points. I mean, the other thing I think from a leadership standpoint, and then we can switch topics if you guys want is, um, and I... I know what I'm about to bring up is sensitive. So I, I, I need a little bit, just a little bit of room to lay it out. But like, I mean, um, you're going to have tough conversations about childcare. You are. And this is coming from somebody, by the way, who loves the fact that for 20 years, I was home when my kids showed home from school, that to this day, I have a 20 year old and an 18 year old. And at noon today, because uh, Ryan will be back from his auto program around noon and Josh is, uh, going to be back from school around noon, we will have lunch together. I mean, and we have lunch together as the four of us, my wife and the two kids, three or four times a week. And we have shows, we binge, we hang out, we might play a game. I'm not saying this is Little House on the Prairie. I mean, like I have issues with teenagers and young adults, just like everybody does. But like, um, but let's be honest, to go back to Little House on the Prairie just for a second, right? And I'm not saying that was idyllic either. But like, there was something about everybody on the farm because everybody on the farm just went in for lunch and everybody was there. And like, I can tell you there are things that get resolved and issues that get discussed because I'm home and I want to be part of that. Right. I don't want to be the distant parent just on a plane. Right. You know, kind of thing. And where I'm going with that is like, so I'm starting from that position. I'm like super, super pro the positive impacts of this on a family. And that's just one example. I mean, you could come up with 80 if you want. Uh, I would even say like our dogs love us that we're home and our cats don't. But, you know, like, so take that for what you want. But like the cats are like, wait, I own this place from eight to five. Now you're all here. Like that makes no sense to me. Right. But our Labradors are like, this is amazing. We've asked. Right. There you go. Right. Right. You don't even need to make that poll. That's just obvious. Just watch your cat, watch your dog. So like, that's right. But here's the thing. As a leader, you have to ask those tough questions. There are times and I've already experienced them. And, and almost any leader who's dealing with a large workforce who's working from home. You know, if you have young kids that are, you know, uh, it's funny. I almost said young kids reporting to an employee. That's really funny. That's what floated through my head. You know, uh, we're having a business conversation, right? So, you know, you have young kids in that house. You have to set some ground rules, right? I mean, I I'm flexible. A kid showing up in a video, I think it's great. I mean, we all remember that great one from the BBC the other day. I mean, some of that stuff is really funny. But but there are times where you'll notice it's really not productive and you have to ask some tough questions like how are you handling childcare or 
I don't know if the way you're doing that is working, right? And and I'll be clear, this is this is a legal minefield. It is very unclear how to approach these conversations. Um, yet, let's ask ourselves the other side of the question. Is it fair that those without children who don't have those distractions, and I'm not saying that instantly makes them more productive. Let me be super clear on that. I mean, just because you do or don't doesn't mean that. But if you have a scenario where it looks like the childcare is the thing that's positive, negatively impacting the productivity, and you're just letting that happen, that's not fair to the broader team. It's not even fair to the individual employee because they want to be able to be productive and have a good career. So it's this, I just sum it up as it's a really challenging thing for me to navigate. I love the fact that those kids are closely connected to their parents. I love the fact that I can offer work from home employment. At the same time, every work week can't automatically just become 20 hours, right? Because of that. And it's really hard to navigate that uh, is what I would say. And I don't have, I don't know if I have great advice. I would just say that if you're not leaning into that or you're trying to ignore it, you're, you're not helping. And that, that's true of the employee and the manager, I would say. Like, it's not something you can really ignore. You, you have to figure out a framework in your company to address it. And that could be everything from the way you structure the work week to the way you talk about it to the way maybe, maybe you can offer childcare even in a virtual environment, you know, like local childcare facilities. I don't know. But I, I think what I, what I fear is no one's having the conversation on either side. And that's, I don't know if that's a smart move either. Yeah, I think what you're sharing is um, one of the skills successful leaders need to have in a in a virtual world is just being real with what's actually happening in a virtual world. It's you know if you go back 1999, um, you know people weren't let's say necessarily virtual, but people had families, people had kids, and leaders were like, I don't care. You got to show up at eight o'clock in the morning. Got to leave at six. This is the way it's going to be. Um, and now it's like, no, if, if you don't really understand what my world is, then I'm not working for you. And I think that's, what's really important. Right. Right. And, and, and the thing on that is like, part of that's good, right? Part of that bi-directionality is good. Um, I think, I think the challenge is, you know, how, how do you have a discussion about it? Maybe to your point, because the perspectives are all over the place. Right. And, and just to be clear, like, um, this isn't just entirely about childcare, obviously. I mean, I had an employee reporting to me once who decided to go get a new house and it required a lot of remodeling and construction. And I realized kind of quickly that like the contractors were over like all the time. And this person was really distracted, like trying to figure out what kind of drywall improvements they wanted to make. And I finally had to say like, okay, like, Hey, I don't think this is working. Like, and, and the employee kind of said, well, I don't know how to deal with it. Kind of a little bit to your point, like, but I made this decision to get a house that requires a lot of work and these people need to be over and I'm not sure. And I'm kind of like, I, I don't know. What do I do? What do I do? You got a job. I mean, what, what am I supposed to do? I mean, I can't, I can't just give you 20 hour work weeks for the next five weeks because you bought a house. I mean, I can't. I, I, and and, and I, I think the best way to frame that, by the way, isn't so much like I, the owner, need a level of productivity. I think the best way to frame it is an issue of fairness, right? Because the whole team is working at a certain level in every business. There are goals and guidelines and productivity targets, and or maybe they're just like value creation targets that you're trying to get to. But whatever they are, supposedly the whole team's trying to hit those. So that's what you got to talk about it. Let's let's talk about because um, our time is running fast. 
we talked about the skills successful leaders need. What are the skills that employees need uh, to thrive? So let's go from the other side. What are, what are, what do you see as employees? You need to have these skills or it's going to be real tough. Well, so let's hit the ones that are similar, right? There's writing, there's the ability to kind of admit your, your ignorance. Those are, those are huge. And I would, I would put those right up at the top. Um, um, I would say the ability to interrupt your boss, um, you know, it goes back to that. It's a little easier to kind of interrupt, um, the boss's gatekeeper or the boss's peer or in a virtual setting. Like this isn't even about ignorance. It's like, sometimes I have to really tell people like, you can call me. <laughs> like I had an employee once who literally looked at my team status and because it showed busy, and by the way, it's going to show busy all day. I'm in meetings most of the day, right? For better or worse. So it's going to automatically flag busy. And this individual said, well, in my last company, like I was told you can't interrupt anybody if that's set. And this was a very sincere comment. And I'm like, no, like it's a virtual environment. Like I, I need to know. Um, the other thing about employees, I would say is, um, this is a little duality thing again. I would say, Make it clear what communication channels are in and out of bounds, right? Do that as a leader so that the employees know what's safe to use, right? Like if you don't want texting, then don't text your people, right? Model it, right? And then the employees will do that. You know, if you want to get a lot of detail in messaging apps, well, then do that. Um, I'd say another big thing for employees, and this sounds so elemental, but seriously, I mean, I see this happen with employees of companies who create the video conferencing solutions that we all use today. I just got to be completely clear. They will get on a meeting with video conferencing software that isn't the one their company makes. And I swear, it's it's like not knowing what the gas and the brake is in a car all of a sudden. And I'm like, how is this possible? There's only so many buttons in a video conferencing app. I mean, it can't be that. And, and by the way, I've, I've dealt with software my whole life. I know all software is broken. We just don't know where. Leave that aside. Okay, leave that aside. It's being used right now by millions of people, including you. So my guess is there's a way for you to figure that out. And if that sounds kind of a little pointed, I guess it is because I feel like one of the things I don't, it's okay to say like Zoom's failing me today, but to be that person who's like the tech is always making you look bad in a meeting, just take an hour, figure it out, get a better headset, get better video cameras, spend an hour training yourself on every video conferencing software platform on the planet and just never have that happen again, right? Because I think I think employees like to kind of rant about software and in those communal settings when we're using Zoom and stuff like that, I don't think they realize how that looks, if that makes sense, right? It's one thing to just complain about Word in the background, but you're in this communal group. And if every time you show up in the meeting, you're the one that's kind of struggling, I don't think that's a great idea. Um, the other thing I would say, and this is at a personal level, is um, the distance between the kitchen and the office is too short. Um, you know, And I think the very first thing you need to figure out, this isn't about um, childcare or home remodels or whatever you want to talk about there. This is about the individual. Like, and I think the individual needs to figure out a way for mental health reasons to kind of turn work off. And some people really struggle with that. Uh, I'd say some people are almost too good at it in a virtual environment, but that's a different problem. But like for the people who like don't know how to stop, I think that's also a pairing between manager and employee. That's about modeling. You know, I, I literally, if I work on a weekend, I mean, 
owners do sometimes. It's the way it works. Like I will literally queue up every email so it only goes out Monday at eight because I don't want to set this like philosophy that like we're all interacting over the weekend. You know, like it's okay to talk over the weekend if it's critical. But I think once you start to model that, the employees model it back and then you end up with a really good kind of virtual cycle. And the very last thing I'd say about employees is, um, you know, choose the choose the mode of communication where you're going to be at your brightest, where the bulb will be the brightest. You know, I say to my team, like, look, I'm never going to police that you all got to be on video. I mean, if you ever never all show up on video, OK, we're going to have a different conversation. Right. You know, it reminds me of my sister's uh, job um, really fast where like she was in meetings uh, when everything was, you know, pre-COVID. And I, I know this one, the minute I say this, there's some people that are going to be like, yeah, that's great. I'm like, it's horrific if you ask me. Uh, everybody puts their cell phone in a little basket on the table so they're not distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, come on, really? I mean, if that's your method of policing, the problem is upstream of that. Like figure out what that is and solve it, right? And and where I'm going with this with the like, you know, don't police being on video. What I would say to people is, look, if you can be more present that day because it's been a rough morning and it's just an issue, just show up on phone, right? Just go do that. Pick the mode that makes the most sense for you to be productive. It's much the same as in the office in that way, right? Um, so anyway, and there's other things I could get into on the employee side, but that you know, I know we're kind of getting close on time. Great, Sean. Yeah, that was that was great. Yeah, would love to talk to you forever. Well, not forever. Yeah, I do. Um, but um, you have some really good, um, really good, strong ideas. So how can people learn more about Sean, learn more about your company, get in touch with you um, just to learn about modeling really effective leadership and employee skills? Just go to CascadeInsights.com. Um, you know, if you throw into Google, Sean Campbell and Cascade Insights, you'll find me. Um, and if folks have questions about this, you know, just email me at Sean, S-E-A-N at CascadeInsights.com. Um, I'm happy to, it, it doesn't have to be a request to do business with us. I mean, you may not be in the right vertical lane and that's fine. If you just want to talk about this stuff, um, I, I'm a massive proponent of working from home. And, um, and the last thing I'd leave you with, I guess, on that is like, um, you know, I watch all this stuff about, you know, return to the office and everybody's like, you know, hey, people weren't productive. Sure, there's some elements of that. I'm sure there are. We, we talked about things that might impact that. But you know what I noticed is like completely absent in all those announcements were the managers, good managers of virtual employees. Nice. And I, I don't see any of it. It's like crickets. It's like a dial tone. You know, you don't hear any of that. Uh, and I'm like, that needs to be addressed. We need to train those managers so that they can actually manage a virtual team. Only if we know if they're good at that, do we really know if return to home worked, right? Because it's two sides of the same coin. And so I hopefully we'll see that. I don't know if we're going to see it anytime soon, but I'll be happy when we do. That's a great question. We're, you know, we're, um, where are you managing well when you're virtual, right? Big question. Hey, Sean, this has been fun. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Ginny, for co-hosting. And thank you to our listeners who are all over the world. Um, please share this episode and uh, this energy with your friends, your family, your coworkers, your colleagues. We'll see you next time on our next episode of Team Anywhere. Before we sign off for today, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on your favorite 
podcast platform. Your support helps us grow, and by subscribing, you'll be the first to know when our exciting next episode is available.